The Bucket Plan On Demand series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach on advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bucket Plan On Demand. Today, I am excited. I have a repeat guest in Walter Young. Walter is an advisor with C2P Enterprises, as well as the author of the book, The Fifth Option, which is just an, an awesome book that lays out some of the different options that all of our clients face every day in thinking about how to accumulate for retirement and then enter into the distribution phase of retirement. So Walter, appreciate you jumping on and joining me on the podcast today. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. So awesome. Well, let's, uh, I want to start off because this is all language that we could use as advisors every day with our client. I know uh, when you first sent me the transcripts from the book and, and even way before that, when I met you, uh, at Forum 400, and then you joined C2P as an affiliated advisor, you started sharing some of this language with me, and I immediately gravitated towards it with my clients. But um, talk about what the fifth option is. Like, how did you arrive at that book? What do you talk to your clients about? Uh, what's some of the key, key language that you use in describing the fifth option? Sure. The, the, the genesis of the fifth option really was the, the synthesis of, of having an MBA in finance working for a number of, of of management consulting firms, and understanding that what they count on the most is is cash flow, right? The, the, we understand that when you work with the business world, everything is measured in returns of cash flow or some sort of metric of cash flow. And what's interesting when we talk about personal finance, we shift from cash flow to balance sheets, where we start to ask the question, how much have I saved? How much have I saved? And the last time I checked, I can't take my 401k statement to any any grocery store and buy milk with it. I have to be able to turn a balance sheet into cash flow. And the efficiency of which I do that is really going to determine whether or not someone enjoys the retirement or is nervous about the retirement. And so as we take a look across a lot of the, the financial planning world, I recognize that there, when we don't have the projection of, of income that we're hoping for, that traditional financial planning gives us four choices. Right? We could either try to, they tell us to save more money, which is certainly always a solution. We can take more risk in the markets, hoping to get better returns. We could work longer, or we could just really capitulate and decide that we don't need to have the retirement that we had hoped for. And I call those the four frustrating options. But there's actually a fifth option that is given to us through the, the latest academic world that helps us understand that by combining actuarial science and investments together, we get a much more robust cash flow solution that allows our clients to have, hopefully, the inspired retirement plans that they had hoped for all along. And so that was kind of the basis behind the book is to explain how the four options, the, the frustrating four, really don't move the needle when it comes to cash flow. But when we add actuarial science and investments together, we get a much better platform. Awesome. Well, I want to dive a little bit deeper into some of that and some of the concepts in the book that you talk about, like the desert island dilemma and the BS plan. But before I do that, you know, like how did we even get here? I know you talk about some of the, the historical perspective uh, in the book. But um, share a little bit behind, you know, kind of where we are today in the first place. 
Yeah, I think it's always helpful to have a little historical context when, we, when we're learning new lessons or heard, hearing about new research that comes out. And so I was doing a little bit of research on just the history of retirement. We recognize that in the early 1900s, there was no such thing as retirement. Like life expectancy just didn't let us get there. In fact, we just worked until we died or our bodies broke down and we became an award of the state or we lived with our families. And so we didn't have a lot of the tools that we have like pensions and social securities and some of the things that we have today. But in a weird way, we, as we look at these, especially the newest generations, we're not gonna necessarily be able to rely on the same re retirement solutions like the social securities and the pensions we, as we may have in the past. So in a weird way, we're right back to where we were, where we are completely responsible for our own retirements. So in fact, probably never before have we been more responsible for our own retirement plans than we have in this generation. The difference is, we're gonna live 30 or 40 more years. And so we have this same dilemma that we had in the 1900s, but the problem is that we're gonna live a long time. And so our retirement plans have to weather that longevity. And so I think it's important for us to get a sense for that, you know, that, that we're back on our own again. And so we have to take some of these measures into our own hands. Awesome. Well, you know, I know uh, so much of our business is about asking great questions uh, and getting our clients thinking, right? And so uh, one of the concepts I love in the book is the desert island dilemma. You know, and I know you talk about this a lot, not only in your individual client meetings, but when you do workshops and seminars and educational events. So uh, talk to us a little bit about what the desert island dilemma is. Yeah, let me, I'll give you the reader's uh, digest, the bridge version, which is simply this. I like to, I, as I begin to introduce what actual science is, I like to ask this, this question. If you were on a desert island and you had no access to water and all you had was a barrel of water in front of you and that was all the water you had to drink, how much water would you drink each day? And as I ask that question, I see faces kind of contort and get puzzled. And there's two questions you would love to know before you make that decision. The first is, how long will you be on this desert island? Well, what if you don't know? And the second question is, will it ever rain? But what if you don't know? If you can't answer these two questions, and I ask that question of the audience again, they inevitably come back with the answer of as little as possible, right? And that is the desert island dilemma. But if we change the scenery a little bit and say, instead of being on a desert island, we're now in your office and you're being celebrated for a wonderfully long career. And instead of a, a, a barrel of water, let's pretend that barrel is all the money now that you've saved for retirement. The same question applies. How much money can you spend? And again, two questions would be very helpful in order to answer that question. The first is, well, how long are you going to live? It's unknowable. And what returns will your money get? It's unknowable. So if you ask that same question, people's response typically is as little as possible. Because we have to guard against the worst outcome, which is running out of money. And that's where that traditional, that traditional planning comes in, which is, well, then, save more money or take more risk or work longer, or yes, you may just have to live on less. And that's where, how I begin to introduce the idea of that fifth option. Gotcha. So walk us through that a little bit. Yeah. So the idea is that, you know, if you go onto some of the, you know, the Monte Carlo sites, you know, and, and you see that saving money, you have to save an enormous amount of money in order for you, for you to have a, a better income. And so we all know the study that came out with Bill Bangin in the 90s, the 4% uh, withdrawal, the safe withdrawal rate rule. And so the idea is that a lot of research is coming out suggesting that there are other ways of combining assets that will improve upon that 4%. And one of those is the combination of actual science with your investments. And so we know that part of the reason that 4% withdrawal rate even exists is because we have to guard against 
volatile markets, those down years. In fact, a lot of my clients are living that out this year, right? We have a down market and now we're really actually living the whole strategy where in the handful of years before it, people might've been a little bit wondering, do I even need to do this? And here we are, right? We have this negative market and we know that taking money out of, out of down markets is the fastest way to run out of money. And so by having a number of options, I can, I can begin to change the mechanics of retirement distribution. One of that way is having a safe or buffered asset that I could draw upon, right? And we know that life insurance can be a tremendous tool for that as it not only provides the ability to, to have safe money that's, that's guarded against downturns, but it also provides all those other benefits like death benefits and tax-free growth and distribution potentials and protection from lawsuits and all the things that life insurance comes with. The other option that people typically don't think about is the ability then to pair life insurance and SPIAs or other kinds of annuities that do have some of the highest, most guaranteed distributions uh, in the markets. And this really comes from the concept of pension maximizations. If we all remember the people that did have pensions, they were always given a choice of what pension to take. They could take a life only pension that would disappear upon their deaths, or they could take out some sort of joint payouts that would allow that pension to last as long as, as a, the second person that was alive. And that we, all, we understand that by reducing the pension payout, I'm essentially paying a life insurance premium. And so the idea is that, again, if I have the planning horizon, I could have some tools in place that allow me to do two things. One is, if I'm going to use the market as my main distribution function, then by having a handful of years of income, my, my withdrawal rate can be bigger than 4% because I'm not relying or having to guard against as much against those volatile markets. I'm not gonna play in those down markets as frequently. Or on the other end of the equation, for people who are more conservative, they may just wanna be out of the markets altogether. And we now have this wonderful ability to give them a high guaranteed distribution rate and then the ability for all those funds to come back to either the spouse or the family through the death benefit of life insurance at the end of the horizon. And so those two choices alone allow us to significantly increase retirement income with a lot of safety. And they can really be based on the flavor of your clients. They could either be market centric where they are taking distributions from the markets or they can be uh, more guaranteed side for conservative folks. And of course, the one that's in the middle is the bucket strategy, which all the people listening to this podcast will know a lot about. And so that's the ability to kind of combine and mix those strategies uh, together. Well, and I think Walter would, you know, I know I personally subscribe to this as an individual and an investor, and I do with my clients as well, of course. But, you know, typically what you see then is that when somebody implements a strategy like this, and they're appropriately funding a permanent cash value life insurance policy, it allows them to then take you know, their investment portfolio or the money in the market and potentially even be a little bit more aggressive with it and earn higher rates of return than they otherwise might have if they were sitting in a traditional 60-40 portfolio or 50-50 balance portfolio. And so again, it kind of gives them the permission or the peace of mind to then be able to invest in a more diversified long-term growth portfolio. And so again, I, I just see that as another value add and win because they know they have those, those years that it's not a matter of if the market pulls back, it's a matter of when it pulls back, but they know they know they've got coverage. So that's an important point because a lot of people 
they put their life insurance outside of the portfolio mechanics. And so, so, and so I think it's really important to realize that, that as the cash value grows in a life insurance policy, it should be incorporated as part of the portfolio. And so what you're saying is exactly right, which is that may may not reallocate to a, a more aggressive place with a place of confidence. I think that's exactly right. That's really important. Yeah. And then I think the other thing, and I've pulled this from you, you know, I love the terminology of the rainy day or the sunny day fund, right? Um, because it's not all about rainy days sometimes, but I know, you know, again, as a personal investor, I've been able to leverage the cash value in my life insurance um, to be able to buy into markets when they're down and buy stocks and ETFs and mutual funds at discounted prices and participate in, you know, more of a rebound and then sell out of the market and pay the life insurance back. And so to be able to have that as an asset class on your balance sheet that then you can be able to utilize to help even further perpetuate, you know, the wealth that you're building is, is incredible, you know, while you're still even in the accumulation phase before you get to distribution. Yeah, that's right. The, the, the accumulation phase, the money doesn't have to be debt in the life insurance policy. It has the ability to flow and move and, and create other wealth. It could cancel debt. It could be part of your college tuition program. It could be ready for uh, real estate opportunities. There's all kinds of things we can do. We're just gearing it up for the point when we do retire that it can do its second job, right? Which is to enhance retirement incomes. Uh, but during that, that, that accumulation phase, certainly it can be utilized in a number of different ways. Awesome. Well, again, Walter, how do they find your book, The Fifth Option? Well, they can go to Amazon uh, and search The Fifth Option uh, is probably the easiest way, the most common way. Uh, and uh, there is, for people who maybe want to buy bulk books, you know, they can, e they can uh, send an email to Walter at thefifthoption.com and I can give them some discounted pricing. So some of these folks are buying it to pass out to uh, clients and such. Uh, and so I'd be happy to help them in that regard. Yeah, that's great. I definitely could see that being a huge value. So again, uh, I guess just like the only place you buy books these days, go to Amazon. <laughs> if you want to buy an individual copy, I, I will assure you, you'll learn some great you know, uh, techniques, language, conversations, and questions to have with clients. And if you're looking to buy in bulk, reach out to Walter, as he just mentioned there, and he can get you taken care of. Walter, I appreciate you, know, you dropping in with us here today and sharing some wisdom. It's always a pleasure. Uh, my pleasure has been mine. Thanks, David. Awesome. Thanks so much. Have a great day, everyone. The Bucket Plan On Demand series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach on advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit clarity2prosperity.com.